0: We're continuing our uh, studies in the life of David, and uh, some of you already got excited about the series, and I am actually getting so much out of that. My problem each week is what to include and what to not to include, especially, as I mentioned before in the introductory message, uh, more than anyone in the Bible Except Jesus Himself, and throughout the four Gospels, much of Scripture is written about David and about David's relationships and David's heart. So there's so so much a text. I mean, in terms of text-wise, also too, we're covering uh, chapter 18 through 20 and 23 a little bit, and even 2 Samuel chapter 1. So the part of the scripture reading was a glimpse of what we we're going to cover. But I am excited because this series focuses on different, very uh, relevant topic. And today is a Jonathan's friendship for David. And let me just say this up front. For those of us who are cynical about any kind of human friendship and it became a minimalist or it's a survival mode, just uh, uh, having a porcupine approach in any any kind of uh, friendships or relationship and you, you get a little cold and lonely and you get closer to people and then if you get too close, you get poked by each other so you stay back again and back and forth. And I pray that this vision of biblical friendship is not only stir our hearts for the possibility but it will give us a charge to practice this love, this kind of friendship love. Let's do a quick recap. So far uh, David has defeated Goliath and because of David's uh, triumph over the giant, nine feet, nine feet giant and Goliath, he suddenly became a national hero. And as they're coming in to back to the town, and there was a victory song and the victory song was, was actually trigger for Saul's jealousy. Jealousy over David's success but if you remember chapter 16 there is a reason for Saul's insecurity because his disobedience to a specific command and because he was treating God as a means to an end because he played his mind of uh, idol worship, a useful God uh, to to use God's blessing to get his end, his goal. God rejected him, and Samuel said, "Because you have rejected God, and God has rejected you." And Holy Spirit, in the New, Te- New Testament, every believer uh, receives the Holy Spirit in becoming. Uh, a Christian. But the Old Testament was a time that only the anointing of a special task, a you know, uh, prophet or uh, king, and those people are anointed. And and then King Saul ha- has lost the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Holy <coughs> Spirit moved to David. Shepherd boy David. So that the jealousy is not just a mere uh, comparison and triggered by the song, but it was deeply rooted in his in insecurity. Do you know that it doesn't take um, much to have this kind of insecurity? All of us can have that. If our heart is self-centered heart, what happens is our wicked heart, because of our fallen heart, we tend to compare not with the people who are lower than us, usually higher than us. In terms of wealth, you tend to compare yourself higher than someone and in terms of intelligence or in terms of your status, everything. Right. So to be honest with you, this insecurity is something that our modern people carry it as an inferiority complex, but no one really admits it in a way. But if you have a self-centered heart, the next uh, component that comes naturally with that is comparison. You compare, and then when you're as you're comparing, you have this feeling that you are lesser than someone or less than something. King Saul has everything. But he saw David's success as a threat. And because of this insecurity, when the Israelite women are singing, Saul has struck down thousands, but David 10,000. And he was angered by that. So the solution is not be better on something. And even for our children, when you are feeling like a, our children uh, feels a little lacking confidence and there are other kids who are better and faster, athletics or, or academics also too. No, it's not to be better than someone else. Because there's always someone who's better than you. It's a problem of your center, our center. In order for us to feel freedom, the self-obsession and self-centeredness has to be replaced by God-centeredness. That we become not so self-conscious about who we are, and that, that self-forgetfulness is a form, really the clear form of humility. But just to prove the point, um, I consider myself very free from materialistic things. I grew up in a medical doctor's family, so I never experienced any kind of difficulty at all growing up. So when I became a Christian, I became radical, especially in my 20s. I was ready to go anywhere. I could pack everything in my Torah Corolla except my bookshelf. And now that I got married, I have a garage full of junk. I can't just, I wish I could throw it away somewhere, but but junk. And even at home, and sometimes I didn't lock the door, there's nothing to steal, you know? So a free man as I am, I sometimes get invited. Kate and I are invited by our wealthy friends. Not, not here, so you don't have to look at <laughs> right? okay? them, Some of you guys are well off, but not that much. I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking about it's not just a house, but when I, when I walk in, every furniture, everything that they is so attractive, so elegant. And then by the time when we come home, or even you know, appetizer, dessert, and all that, by the time we come home, Kate and I feel really dirt poor. Feel really depressed. Most Americans are that way. Relativity, relative poverty, not absolute poverty. So someone will say that No one in America is poor at all compared to the third world who makes only a few cents a day. So what is the solution? Actually, Jonathan is a solution for freedom from envy and jealousy. But one more thing. Saul's jealousy started as very covert motive but it rapidly intensified to over actions by now he is bluntly not only I'm going to declare you kill you he's starting to chase after David for 10 years 10 plus years of David's life he's on the run And today is that transition to, uh, from his compulsive spear-throwing, and the question mark, is he in a right mind? Is he he's some kind of an under influence? To today, it, he, he comes out now. Go get him. I will kill him. That's what's happening. And then comes the Jonathan. Unlike Saul, Jonathan responded not with jealousy or envy, but undying friendship for David. How was this possible? Let's be very clear and objective on this. Saul, he really had nothing to to be afraid of because David was not an opportunist to try to take him down from his throne. David was staying humble, staying behind the scene. And Saul has reigned for 40 years. So a few more years, he's going to have to quit anyway. But in the name of rationalizing my family, my household, reigning on the throne, he felt threatened. But now, reason for jealousy or envy, any kind of threat, Jonathan really had plenty of it. Because Jonathan was not only the heir, he was older than David, and he's waiting to be crowned soon. And all of a sudden, all the attention went to David, and people are praising David like crazy. So how is this possible? There are four lessons from today's study on Jonathan's friendship for David. So here's the first one. Let's number one. Jonathan's friendship was marked by a selfless love and surrendered heart. Those two parts are very important. Surrendered heart to sovereign God's sovereign plan. Let's start with the first Samuel chapters eighteen, verse one through five. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, this is right after uh, defeating Goliath and coming back. And then David was talking with Abner. Uh, the general and king Saul as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul the soul the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul and Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul and Jonathan stripped him himself of the robe. This is a royal robe. It's a prin- prince heir robe. That was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful whenever, wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul's set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. First of all, how was Jonathan be able to be free from envy and jealousy? Because his heart, because his love was selfless, true love. And there is a hint in chapter, uh, verse one, the work of the Holy Spirit opening to Jonathan's heart." Why? Because when, and whenever, they, whenever God uses someone, whenever God uses us, He always makes provision. One of the most important provision is your teammates, your helpers. And Jonathan was a uh, certainty. A provision from God. The Holy Spirit opened his eyes and his heart, Jonathan's heart, was knit with the heart of David. It's a kinder spirit happened. But this is really true meaning of biblical love. As we are focusing on this year's vision, to love one another deeply, reflecting God's love for us. This is the picture that we ought to love one another. Why? In First Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter defines love this way. Love does not envy. Do you know how to test whether your love is true love or self centered love or selfless lo- love, when your friend, someone you declare that you love, have a tremendous success. If his success or her success feels like your own, you are happy as happy as if this has happened to you that's true people love. but what happens is when we get we you know the command that rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep we're a little better at weeping with those who weep isn't it any kind of bad news or any kind of you know, loss of a friend or or a family member or any kind of thing, people jump on it because they love them, obviously, most of them really genuinely love them. But it feels safe. There is no sign of envy, no reason to envy. It actually feels safer in a way. We need to watch out in our hidden motives in that. You know how do do you know that? When you see your children succeed, do you feel envy? Or or your friend comes over, wow, he looks so handsome. Paul, your son looks more handsomer than you. Do I go, no, (laughs) it's not happening to me. Actually, I am so glad and happy, right? Because his success is he actually sweeter than mine that's what true love really looks like but don't don't forget our children are an extension of ourselves so just because you feel that way well, oh, my I, my love is very selfless no if you compare if your son or child or the daughter is compared to other son and other daughter who's doing better in something you get all jealous and, and, and envious Notice that Jonathan was, was not trying to not to get jealous. He was free from it because his self his center was not filled with his self, but with God. Moreover, his god-centered heart opened his eyes. And saw what God is doing through David. And this passage is very implicit. But the next passage that we're going to read is actually explicit. About Jonathan's understanding. What David did was not his heroic personal act. But the salvation and deliverance of God for Israel. He saw that. So when he saw that. He was not. Afraid to surrender rightly his airship. So imagine that. It's just symbolic. Taking off his robe and give it to him. And then when do you disarm as a mighty warriors in back in the days? And I think I believe that even the marines or any military people will understand also too. When you give your gun or when you give your give up your sword and your armor. Only two ways. You're captured, you're prisoner, you surrender everything. You have no choice. Or to your commander, you surrender. Jonathan was doing that. Later, Jonathan explicitly stated you will be king, and I'll be your side. But it's not because Jonathan thinks that, oh, okay, I give up. Maybe I should be at least a prime minister under him. No, he is actually seeing what God is doing. He's felt free, and it's surrender to what God is doing. Easier said than done, people. Even the pastors, when somebody is doing so well and eloquent preacher getting all attention. Uneasiness is there. And I pray and I ask you to pray that I will stay not just trying to be humble but free from people's attention that God becomes our vindicator even for you. In our relationships at Crossway, I pray that Jonathan's heart, selfless heart, God-centered heart, would happen. I notice he said, he loved David as his own soul. I could not help the scripture coming out, interacting in my heart. So throughout today's message, you will see the glimpses of my interaction with the Holy Spirit, bringing up these passages. First one is Proverbs 17:17. 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friend loves at all times, not sometimes. who walks into your life when everybody's walking out? That's true friend. Into whose life do you walk in when everybody's walking out? I have a friend, pastor friend, former pastor friend who had a moral failure and he's not in ministry anymore and I got together with him for lunch. We were catching up encouraging one another, each other. I was glad to see severe mercy in his life. I was thankful that he is actually connecting with God in a fresh, fresh way. But the question that I had is, so how, how were you able to deal with this? And then and he said, you know Paul, when that news broke out, no one, I mean no one, Except so and so, his close friend, his true friend, contacted me, wanted to get together with me. David is singled out, blackmarked by King Saul. Now his over action with over action, Saul is relentless in intending to kill David. We're talking about sovereign, king, not democratic political leader. So too, against king's will is a treason back then. And after all, he's a Saul's son as well. What adversity happened in, in David's life. Jonathan loves David at all times. Number two lesson. Jonathan's friendship was marked by an undying loyalty to his friend as well as to his father, King Saul. First Samuel. Chapter 19, verse one through seven. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. but Jonathan, his Saul's son, delighted much in David. And David and Jonathan told David, "Saul, my father seeks to kill you, therefore be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself." And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you. And because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and the the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David. And Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as before. Wow! Did you notice this? His loyalty was not only to David. His loyalty was to his father as well. He is giving him benefit of doubt. He is using his best argument and convincing things. And then when David, when Saul heard it, and as as, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. I think he means it. Jonathan's explanation that God's word used him used David for the salvation of Israel, probably gave him flashback his younger days. In, in 1 Samuel chapters eleven or two, there's a story about Saul's younger days. He was not yet fully king, and the people were questioning. Some people are doubting whether he, he's a king material. And then he went out and had a great success, a victory over his enemies. So when, king, when, when Saul was crowned as a king, the people who are close to him said, let's find those cynical guys and let's kill them all. Get rid of them. This is what King Saul, I mean, Saul, young Saul said. Today is the day that God, the Lord, has brought salvation to Israel. How can we shed more blood on our own people? So when Jonathan said this, I think he really became convinced and saw that. And he promised not to kill him. But following passages, what happens? Whenever Jonathan steps up and being really loyal, his loyalty brings success, more success for David. David goes out, wins incredible battles and comes back. And people are rooting for him again. And the king Saul gets jealous again. That's what happens. So his loyalty was not just a, like even mafia, among the mafia or the gangsters have loyalty to each other, right? But if you think about loyalty to other principles, they're messed up. Jonathan's loyalty was rooted in his character, integrity. It has a deep cost, Jonathan could have gone with David and teamed up with him and survived away from King Saul. But he stuck to his father as a one of the warriors. And then at the end of 1 Samuel, King Saul makes a just bad judgment about the war. And the Philistines kill King Saul and all his sons. He died because of his integrity, loyalty. Proverbs 20, verse 6, many a man claims his own steadfast love. This is ESV. Uh, some Some other translation will say, many a man claims his loyalty, his faithfulness. but a faithful man who can find. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. This happens in our relationships, in our friendships all the time. People change. People's loyalty change. Commitment change. Especially those people who Fluctuates a lot, right? So uh, you know, in the beginning of our encounter or friendships, there's so much of excitement, maybe that has to do with personality also too. But the, that friend gets bored with me. I'm not exciting anymore, or maybe vice versa as well. If I choose one word that we should learn from Jonathan's friendship is this, loyalty. Can you, man, can you find a man who is truly loyal, woman truly loyal? Jonathan was. Lesson number three. Jonathan's friendship was marked by a perpetual commitment to David, to his friend as a covenantal relationship, covenantal friendship. This time we go to 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 12 through 17. As I said before, the initial convincing was successful. David was back in in the court of king Saul uh, playing harp liar and playing the musician music therapist and then king Saul jealousy gets worse and worse to a point he becomes like a act like a crazy man now he's all out that's the background and Jonathan found out Verse 12, and Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or, on the, or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father, to do, har- to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and more Also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Verse 14. If I am still alive, Show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of enemies of David from the face of the earth, and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made, his, made David swear again by his love for him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. This this is uh, unheard of in our culture. But this is really Jonathan's Revealing his heart transparently and vulnerably, what he's saying, he's already envisioned Lord's work because his God-centered heart gave him God's in this. So my my father will not succeed. If God wills, He's a sovereign. He will bring His kingdom through David. When that happens. The Lord will kill every enemy of David, including my family, King, King Solomon, And he's saying I already made a covenant with you, friendship covenant, before, go, before the Lord. The initial reaction was that. I'm making a covenant again. He's putting his life on the line. In so doing, this is something that um, we should learn. His, His covenantal relationship reflects God's relationship with his people. He makes covenant. He renews it. He continually renews it. He keeps by it. That he will never change. That he loves us unconditionally, endlessly. His mercy never ends. Have you ever made a covenant? Let's use the daily language. Promise with your friends. If you have, as much as you declared, have you kept it? Even between a husband and wife, that's the covenant that we're making because really romantic sexual love do not last. Isn't it true that if you interview anyone who had a happy marriage, not only they had to stay in the marriage, but they just are enthralled with each other for 40 years or 50 years. The sign is their friendship. And within that friendship, there is a perpetual commitment. Renewal of commitment. That is how we could weather the storm. There's some things that are, are, are natural for us, right? Especially in our community. We live close and we we know each other so well and then all of a sudden these different idiosyncrasies and different personalities clash naturally. How do you weather that storm of conflict or tension or differences? We could either choose to stay away from them and turn away and then rationalize he's impossible, she's impossible. Or we renew our commitment. We commit to loving that friend. See? Um, chapter 18, verse 3, the first commitment, uh, covenant. And t- verse, uh, chapter 20 is the second. In chapter 23, he makes another renewal of covenant. Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to a ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If I translate in a very, our modern, contemporary language, it's like a man who has a bunch of friends he, in his network. Socially, relationally, he knows so many people. His contacts have thousands of people, but he doesn't have a friend who sticks closer to you, than a brother. And then one might say, oh, you are under, undermining the family. My brother, my sister, my family will stick t- closer to me in adversity. Yes, if your relationship with them has a sign of true friendship. Just blood relationships cannot make it. Just sexual, romantic relationship cannot make it. I told this story before. I think it's a worthwhile for me to Share that one more time, especially for those of you who are relatively new. Um, our own Wade Wade Holland was my best man in the wedding, and he he was uh, a kinderous spirited friend from the point on early on, right so now that we're working, we are finding idiosyncrasies and we have Difference is all over. He is so different. (laughs) Right? But as I'm renewing my commitment to love Wade, I'm reminded by his love for me. You see, uh, more than 20 years ago, when my dad was passing away, Um, I was a busy youth pastor, very devoted youth pastor. I spent all my free time connecting with teenagers and loving them and listening to them. But with my dad, aging dad, I felt cultural gap. I just couldn't carry on any interesting conversation unlike my brother I had no interest in Korean politics Uh, he's retired and he used to be very man of few words and after he retired he was just wants to talk about everything Um, so I neglected my relationship with that and saying that when things slow down I will connect with him and maybe I'll improve my relationship with him. And that's when his sickness got worse and one morning we took him to e- ER and on the way to hospital he lost consciousness. And he went to coma. In two weeks he passed away. I was devastated. And I felt like a hypocrite. And I was a hypocrite. All this time and free time loving teenagers. What did I do for? What did I do that for? Is that for... Really them? Love them in the name of Christ? Or in order for me to be important in their lives and somehow I get struck by that. So when the doctors say, tonight might be the night, I suggest that one of you guys stay. And I stayed in the intensive care unit. I couldn't sleep. I was journaling. I was crazy. I was actually calling a couple of my friends, pouring. I I, I think if you saw me that phone calls and, and that that was just so not regular, Paul. I was weeping on the phone, and I was just sharing with Wade about you know it was already eleven o'clock and eleven thirty or twelve but anyway. And then we hung up the phone at one o'clock a little past one o'clock, this tall white man <laughs> walked into the he looks so tall but he's six feet two or six feet three but that that night he walked in my heart just pounding and I said, "How did you get in because your family only thing right I said, "Oh don't worry about that and he just grabbed me. And Way's chest is right here. <laughs> I felt like a little boy. I didn't want to let go of it. It took me down to the lobby area. I rambled. My worries and my anxieties. Very uh, bad theology. I'm trying to make things work. Uh to reassure me that God's gonna revive him right? and of course he could corrected me didn't say a word he was there and I felt deeply loved. When my dad passed away as a youth pastor I had a bunch of teenagers in the funeral and there's another white man, tall white man, walking in You see, there's a friend who sticks closer than your relatives, even your blood brother. Here's my uh, thir- fourth and last point <clears throat> lesson. Jonathan's friendship was marked by a sacrificial love for his friend, surpassing even romantic love. There are two passages 1 Samuel chapter 23 verse 16 through 18 and 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 26 chapter 23 verse 16 and Jonathan Saul's son rose and went to David at Horash. oh this is a time that uh, King Saul find out where David was, and he came to kill him. So Jonathan went out of his way to, to uh, talk to David about that. Let me read that again. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horash and strengthened his hand in God. And, and he said to him, "Do not fear." For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horash, and Jonathan went home. This is the last time they saw each other. David's faith, not just a pep talk and encourage, stay positive thing. David's faith in God was strengthened. That's what it, what it means to strengthen his hand in God. The question is, have you ever been strengthened by a friend, sacrificial love, going extra miles to encourage you? We did for me. And to remind myself about that, yes, I would like to renew my covenant to love my brother, my friend. Second Samuel chapter one. But this is at the news of Saul and Jonathan and his brother's death. He's weeping. And he's singing uh, this dirge song. How mighty have fallen. In verse 26 of Second cha- uh, Samuel chapter 1, David confesses this. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of woman. So what are you saying? Jonathan's love was extraordinary because he really put his life on the line to love him, to be loyal to him, to risk his life to be to the end his life his love was sacrificial. He laid down his life for David. Uh, I, get, I get really just Angst about these commentators or, you know, the um, online, there's full of it. Now that uh, gay marriage and gay uh, affirmation is going on, uh, people will say this see, Jonathan and David's love is gay love, beautiful gay love. No! They're saying that. What, what what David is saying is basically, I have loved woman before, and I have been loved by woman, but nothing like this. My friendship with you is thicker and deeper and more valuable than anything else. So let's make a one clarification. If David had one wife and loved that wife in the same way that Jonathan loved David and David Love back, Jonathan. He could have experienced incredible extraordinary love in his marriage as well. But troublesome life was because his half-hearted commitment. He didn't renew commitment. He had several wives. As a king, culturally, that was normative. Kings were able to do that. But in God's eyes, there was only permissible. He didn't take his life because of that. But when the Bathsheba incident happened, his life was literally threatened. See, what's going on here? I think we need to see not only our friendship with our brother, our, 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 our sister, you know, in a way that is a restoring vision for true friendship. In the same way, we should look at our spouses that way as well. This is not to say that friendship love is superior to marital love. So Actually, we could say friendship love, this kind of loyal love, is better than Romantic sexual love, devoted with really friendship love. John 15, verse 13. Who did that for us? Jesus calls us, and I do not call you my servants because servants do not know what the master is doing. I call you my friend I have chosen you in verse 13 of John chapter 15 greater love has no one has has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friend that he did lay down his life for us quickly my time's up But I think these pointers of application could be very important. Number one, we are to realize that our true Jonathan is Jesus, who has loved us with his undying sacrificial love. We are to look to Christ and put our entire trust in him. Ellen Redpath writes this just poignant words, and just more eloquent than I I could ever say. A greater than Jonathan is here today, right now, where you are. He is here to plan for you, to care for you. Is your lot hard to take? Is the going rough? Is there a cup of bitterness to drink somewhere? Are your friends of a totally different kind from Jonathan? And have have they hurt you and grieved you? The Bible says... That joy comes in the morning, for that for then we will see the King in His beauty, with a never cloud before, a never never a cloud between, and we will serve Him without any weariness or sin. And He will He shall pre- present us faultless before the presence of God, with exceeding joy. His love is wonderful. His love was so disinterested in the action that he not not merely stepped into a background of deity, but he stepped right down to the cross. He came not to merely comfort and strengthen our hands in God, but bearing shame and scoffing rude, in our place condemned he stood. He quotes Philip Ellen Ratpath is right. There were times that I was so down and disappointed by people, even my friends. And Jesus comes near and comforts us. What a friend we have in Jesus that we could go to him. So, brothers and sisters, let's look to Christ, put our full trust in him, walk with Jesus, cultivate a deeper friendship with him every day. Second application, we are to live out the value of true friendship by following the example of Jonathan and David. I think in a way, to show the world the evidence of Christ, the Holy Spirit's power, to live out this vision, restore the reality of true friendship among us. In so doing, we are to be Jonathan to those around us. Don't look for a person far away. Whenever I ask for people in, a, in, the, in the name of a community and uh, who's your close friend? Who do you really connect with? Oftentimes I hear person who's far away, East Coast or the, you know, of course, there's a Skype you could connect. Nowadays, you could look at each other. But when that person, like Wade, I used to miss him a lot in, in, back in China, you know, when he was in China, right? The reality is that those friends nearby us are the people who need Jonathan's, Because I need Jonathan. Will you practice that? At right here at Crossway. Practice selfless love. Undying loyalty. Covenantal friendship. Perpetual commitment in other words. And sacrifice. Don't go halfway. Go all the way. Do you have a friend? In your men's group? Or women's group? Good place to start. That you could be Jonathan to May the Lord help us restore this value and live out true friendship among us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for revealing this invigorating example and fresh vision of loving one another deeply. Not loving with our own shallow, scarce love, but with your love. And thank you for this divine timing of this passage and this study in light of our vision for 2017. And we pray that you will point to a brother and sister and to start taking a first step of practicing selfless love and surrendered heart, undying loyalty, covenantal relationship, friendships, and sacrificial love. I pray that Many of us will be renewed in our covenant, in our perpetual covenant to love our friends around us. We thank you for your word. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.